I'm Danielle Mullins, Miss Earth USA, and this is my interview with The Pageant Project. Good evening, everyone. It's Adrian from The Pageant Project, and my special guest for today is Daniel Mullins, who is Miss Earth USA. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, dare I ask, how are things going? You've got a couple of months uh, before a very, very large pageant. Um, is everything under control? I would think so. I like to think so. Right now we're focusing on getting my videos turned in to Miss Earth. So I've been recording my scripts. We've been wrapping up some filming. We're navigating through wardrobe. I've been working with my coaches nearly every day, just making sure that when I walk off that stage, I feel like I've truly left everything on there. I don't have a single regret. So I've even been able to get a little ahead on getting my house clean. I don't know how long it'll stay that way. It's not 100% there yet, but that's a win in my book. <laughs> would you be brave enough? You don't have to, but would you be brave enough to turn the camera around so that we can see your... You don't have to. I am just curious. <laughs> I'm looking around. <laughs> how bad... How Describe the scene in front of you. Let's see. Well, right now I see a tripod and a ring light in front of me. And then, I mean, I do still kind of have my makeup out here from when I was getting ready earlier. Um, but you can kind of see that looks nice and pretty there. Um, I do have yes. vacuum cleaner to my right that I had to tear apart earlier today and I haven't yet put it back together. So we'll just leave that, that mess and pretend it's not there. I don't, I don't think that looks too bad at all. Maybe maybe there's other areas that you can't show us that. Are worse, <laughs> that looks pretty reasonable. So from here. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me let me start with. Obviously, you're heading over to Vietnam um, to represent the United States at Miss Earth, and um, the states has a pretty. You, you've got kind of a legacy to live up to. Obviously, Lindsay um, Coffee back in the pandemic, which seems so long ago now, 2020 was the United States' first ever winner of Miss Earth. And then you had uh, Marissa, who did very well. So you've had a couple of United States competitors who've done well. Has that crossed your mind at all in terms of, obviously, you're doing all the prep, doing all the hard work? Do you feel at all that there's like a legacy to live up to? Yes, but not in the sense it's created a crippling sense of pressure, if that makes sense you know i absolutely want to be my best out there and follow in that legacy we've had so many even beyond Lindsay that have placed within the top five i believe usa is one of the few countries maybe even the only country that's had somebody place in all placements of the top four and you know there's the elemental titles mm. so there is a pressure but not in a sense it's going to cripple me in a sense it's actually just really inspiring and i'm so grateful that i do have such a successful line behind me so that i can sit down with them chat and pick their brains and look to see what i can do to put forth my best foot what what has it been like having that support network i mean not not every well probably as you said very few countries actually have 
that track record and so many people that they can sort of ask, hey, you know, tell me about this, what happens here, you know, how I, how should I prepare for this? So, you, I mean, obviously you've got your coaches, you've got your director, Laura Clark. Um, who Whose ear do you chat to? Like when things are going a bit, you know, getting a bit hectic and getting a bit crazy, are you chatting to the past queens? Are you chatting to the director, your director? Are you chatting to your coach? Are you chatting to your two cats? Like when things... <laughs> When things get a bit hairy, who who are you chatting to? Honestly, everybody. I love to hear viewpoints from all sides. And I know I'm kind of that person in a sense when chaos strikes, it can be hard to clear my mind and just navigate through it and realize, you know, you only have to put that one step in front of the other. You're going to get through it. Had plenty of hiccups on my journey to being Miss Earth USA or even Miss Kentucky Earth, it took me a second to just stop and breathe to get through it. But I love being able to lean on my director, Laura. We chat nearly every day at this point. I've leaned on Marissa. I've leaned on Lindsay. I mean, even from the moment I was crowned, I had, you know, the trail of sister queens behind hmm. me all telling me, whatever you need throughout this year, we're here for you. We're so happy to help you. I have great coaches that have been behind my back since before becoming Miss Earth USA. And I have some now that I've added to the team. I truly could not be more grateful for the support team that I have. Even, you know, beyond the organization, I have my friends and my family who always lean a listening ear, who always have another side of the story to give me or great advice to give me. And, you know, maybe this isn't their lane, but they're here for me and they're going to hold my hand and help me get through it no matter what it takes. Tell me how you got involved uh, in pageantry to begin with. I was listening to your interview with uh, Casey over at the Crowning Moment podcast, and Casey's a good friend of mine, um, and so and so I heard a little bit about it. But it, from what I remember, it, it doesn't seem like it was a straightforward. You know, oh, I started pageantry when I was six, and I've been doing pageantry for twenty years since then. And you know, here I am. Give us some insight into your pageantry journey. That's wild to think. If I had started at six, this would mark twenty years. Ah. So I did start my first one at a young age and it just wasn't something that my mom really wanted me to pursue. She had a viewpoint on pageantry that they were very subjective and that it would leave me as a very insecure person and looking to always compare myself to somebody else instead of being able to stand true into my own. So we were done with pageantry. So we thought, and I had a friend growing up who showed me a different side of pet. I saw that laugh. Isn't it funny? Anybody who says they're done with pageantry is truly never done with pageantry. I, I, really I don't believe that. any of you guys. Like whenever <laughs> any of you tell me that, I'm like, yeah, yeah, right. And I was born yesterday. I'm exactly sorry. I don't believe. I don't believe any of you. Truly, though. So I got really started in my teens. I started taking it seriously and looking to better myself and see where I could go. But I lacked that confidence. I just didn't think I could ever overcome an interview. I definitely didn't want to pursue a pageant that had a talent. I played the trumpet in middle school, but I was not going to play it in front of anybody. So I found that I was doing pageants that were more so just the stage competitions and they didn't have too much behind them because that was what was easier for me to do and compete in. But then when I tried to branch out, it was so defeating because I had no clue what I was doing. I didn't hire a coach. I tried to figure it out on my own, but I didn't take it seriously. So in trying to become that perfect pageant patty to win, mm. it would be what I thought it would take to be successful. I actually just built a new world of insecurities. And I will say in this time too, before building all of that, I really saw myself grow. I became somebody who could proudly stand on a stage, who could take a microphone and talk into it. It was that 
interview where I really just lost my self-confidence. So at 18, I said, I'm done with this. I wanted nothing to do with pageantry. I pursued other opportunities. I went on to college. I went on a self-love journey. And in this time, I found the Miss Earth organization. And right, uh, right before Lindsay would be crowned Miss Earth is when I started watching from a distance. Just curious to see what this organization was about. Because for me, I had such a passion for the environment and for the beauty industry and seeing the slogan of being a beauties for a cause really honed in for me. And I just, I remember sitting at my computer in the pandemic feeling like I was made for this, that this was my calling. This was time for me to come out of retirement. So when Kentucky had their first pageant back in 2021 for the earth system, I found out about two weeks beforehand, but I decided, you know what, it's now or never, you have to rip the bandaid off and just go for it. I was totally dead last. It was not successful. I second guessed okay. myself. I figured it was a waste of time, a waste of money. I bought a whole new pageant wardrobe, but I knew I could either let my insecurities win or I could work on myself and continue to overcome. So that was my journey for the next year and captured the Miss Kentucky Earth title in 2022 and the rest was history. To longly, shortly put it. <laughs> so that that year when you the year between when you said you entered the Miss Kentucky Earth and, and placed dead last to the year where you won and then obviously went on to win the national title as well. What what did you work on? Because a lot of girls, you know, would love to follow your path, maybe not starting with coming dead last. They would like <laughs> to just, you know, enter enter and win straight away, but that that's very rare. That's kind of like a lightning striking situation. But I think they'd love to hear what exactly did you work on? And specifically for me, was it working on the pageant stuff or was it working on yourself or was it a blend of both? Definitely a blend of both. I saw the quote from Miss Universe recently that training for a pageant is like training for the Olympics. And I've never seen it more perfectly put before in my life because it's more than just the physical. It's more than just what you bring to the stage, the interview room. It's truly something that starts within your mindset. So for me, looking back, when I walked off that Miss Kentucky Earth stage in 2021, it was like a lifetime ago, I decided I was going to work on my mindset, first starting by believing in myself, working on that affirmation every day. I am Miss Kentucky Earth USA. I even took a picture of the winner from 2020, and I Photoshopped the crown and the sash on myself, and I set it as my wallpaper on my phone because if I could see it, made it feel more believable and yeah. more attainable. And when your mind believes that you can do something, you stop at nothing until you can make it happen. So I realized too, I also had to stop and ask for help, which is something I'm not very good at doing. I hired a coach. I had had two coaching sessions right before Miss Kentucky Earth. And I figured for sure, like it's riding a bicycle. <laughs> I'll yeah. have these two sessions in two weeks. I'll be good to go after six years off. And that was not the case. So began working with a multitude of different coaches. And I know some people are very loyal to just one. And some people are like me and they find value in mul a multitude of coaches. And for me, I was able to pinpoint what it was I needed to work on. And I found somebody who specialized in that. So I found mm. somebody who specialized in my mindset issues and seeing the insecurities and the intimidations I faced in the interview room to help me overcome that. And I had somebody who really helped me on my walk, who helped me figure out how you make the hips do the things. You know what I mean? <laughs> make the hip do, make the, the, things. Hips do the things. But the hand motions really helps that. 
goodness. And then I had somebody also in my corner to help teach me to get my point across in the interview room as well, which was another area I struggled in. So I was able to pinpoint what it was I had to focus on and then pull help from different people who specialized in that so that I could put the best me on that stage, the best energy I possibly could and walk out with absolutely no regrets. I love that because um, I I worked for over 10 years as a tennis coach and I always had this and tennis has much like what you said, the analogy with the Olympics or Miss Universe, um, you know, there's multiple components to, to anything, particularly in sport. And, you know, for tennis, you have your physical condi- conditioning, you need to know how to hit a shot, obviously, but then the mental side plays a really big part of it. And I always thought that as a coach, I would always encourage my students to, you know, try other coaches because I think there are some coaches who have particular expertise in a particular area. And I never understood why one coach would want to say, no, you have to come to me because I'm the best at everything. Cause I, I don't see how one coach can possibly be the best at everything. I, I think that's just a lie, but I'm, I'm curious as to how did you sort of captain the ship? Because for a lot of girls that would be quite intimidating because let's say it's simpler to just go to one coach right? You just book the coach, you just, and you just go to the one coach for everything. You had to manage multiple coaches and sometimes ego enters the equation. Sometimes one coach doesn't like hearing that you're working with another coach, but how did you sort of captain your ship, so to speak, to get the exact help that you needed? How to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. It is hard to reach out to new people. It is hard at one point, I took a sponsored Instagram post that popped up in my news feed, and I drove three hours one way to go see this coach I didn't really know a lot about, but I loved what I was seeing on social media about her, and I believe everything happens for a reason, and I just felt like that Instagram ad was a sign in the right path, and I'm so grateful I did that. She's been one of my biggest support systems ever since. I absolutely love her to death, and she was well worth the three-hour drive, and I honestly can't wait to make it again to get to go see her. But even navigating through it, I've been really fortunate that the coaches I've worked with, I haven't dealt with the ego. And I think for one, if you have a coach that's in that mindset, it's me or nobody else. Mm. Maybe that's not the coach for you. If you're fully happy with the way things are going and you see the results you want to see, then that's your person. But for me, I know I don't like to be put in a situation where I have to pick and choose. I want to be able to have that freedom to make the choice that's best for me because you yeah. have those real raw, honest conversations with myself. I go through all my score sheets with a fine tooth comb. I take all the feedback personally to heart, constantly recording it so I can look to see as well and go back through and watch what I need to fine tune and perfect. Mm. I really like to use that word, but what I need to work on, I should say. So just having that mindset and really getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and putting yourself out there and having those hard conversations is what made the difference for me. Can I just get you to look back on your journey back from when you entered Miss Kentucky earth for the first time. So 2021, I believe, and then the 2022 version of yourself who would go on to win the national title compare and contrast for me, if you would, the 2022 version, for, which say is you, this, the, current, the current you, and compare her against the Danielle Mullins, the 2021 version. Compare and contrast for me. You're going to see a physical difference. <laughs> 
I was still blonde at the time. I am a natural blonde. Fun fact about me. Just got a wild, crazy hair. I think dark hair would look good. Noticed my hair was getting darker. So here we are. Anyway, but to compare and contrast beyond the physical aspects of it all, that version was still in that pageant patty mindset. She wanted to be everything she thought the judges needed to be. She wore a white dress. You know, winners wear white. I mean, I still love a white dress on me. Don't get me wrong. But that had been my color choice for so long. I was way too scared to step out of my comfort zone and try something new. I had way too many white dresses. Her interview was very play it safe in a very play it safe color. Same color she's always worn. I mean, everything I did that year was just so it's safe. There was no risk taken, not in the interview. I was so mm. nervous. I couldn't even overcome my nerves to navigate through that interview. I, I had no clue what I was doing. But the person she was in 2022 took those risks. She wore a red gown and she wore a plain gown. She had never worn something without the beads and the rhinestones. She took a risk in the interview room with her wardrobe. Everything she did was something new out of her comfort zone, but something that she really loved and something that was really her. And even in that interview room, when it came to what came out of her mouth, she talked about the topics that were important to her and made sure that the judges saw who she really was and not who she thought the judges wanted to see. And that was what makes me so proud to look back on is how far I've come in overcoming that fear of judgment and wanting to fit the perfect mold and just being able to mm. say, this is me. <laughs> you get what you get. You like it or you don't. And if you don't, I'll move on. If not, I'm going to stay here. And so far, we're still here. I'm very fortunate for that. I can't imagine you blonde. I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm standing, I'm, I'm sitting here just trying to like, because the, the brunette, the dark hair suits you so well. Thank and I, I don't, it doesn't always suit. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? Like some people like, Oh, and then you just have to say, yeah, I, I, I really, really like that. Um, well, thank you. You, it, it just suits. So I can't imagine you blonde. If I saw you blonde, I'd be thinking, no, she's dyed her hair blonde. <laughs> For some reason, I, wish I, I had a photo nearby or something. I mean, it is night and day difference. But oh, it has sure. to get a little darker. So I figured, why not? We'll speed it up. See what happens. <laughs> I might sure have had a slight panic attack when I first saw it, but. I did really like it. Where do the wise I, always be full face of glam? How you like to be day to day when you do something so drastic to your hair like that? I, I have had some experience a while ago dyeing my hair weird and wonderful colors, blonde, um, blue, red. And um, I, I was always excited just to see something so different. Probably it's a slightly different emotion for you guys when you know the hair is so important and you look at it and go oh my god what have i done but i i just i'm having difficulty imagining you as a blonde um but one thing that i want to ask you because obviously miss earth usa is miss earth usa and it's got a heavy environmental advocacy so where did your what is your main environmental advocacy and i guess if you backtrack for us how did you get interested in the environment in the first place? Start with my interest because I grew up on a farm and I was my papa's right hand. I was his shadow. I made every step with him. And I really learned to connect with nature and that when we take care of our planet, it takes care of us. And I loved going out there to help them feed the cows and the chickens and get my hands dirty in the garden. But then 
fast forward all these years, I always have loved the glitz and the glam. I've loved makeup. I've loved playing in my grandma's makeup growing up. So now as a makeup artist, as my day job, I've been able to combine my two passions, which is in part wildlife conservation, but also revolutionizing the environment through the beauty industry. And I work a lot with Wands for Wildlife. We take discarded disposable tools that as a makeup artist, you need for sanitary reasons. Mm -hmm. And we're able to provide medical aid to wildlife animals in need, but also advocating for our products to use cleaner ingredients because what people don't think about when you wash your face and all that makeup runs down the drain it infiltrates our waterways, our soil, and if it's a toxic ingredient running through, then it's a toxic ingredient running through our planet. Using mm -hmm. cleaner ingredients, using vegan ingredients, it should our beauty products should never come at the harm of an animal or our environment, but also promoting sustainable packaging. So one of the cool things I got to do this year as Miss Earth USA is I collaborated. Oh, look, I literally just happened to have things here because I didn't fully clean. But I got to work with the Lady Code Shop, and we put together the full Earth Queen collection. They're all vegan, cruelty-free products. It was very neat to do. This was my left product of the year. We created two separate eyeshadow palettes and a mascara. So we were on top of promoting everything that I love in makeup for the environment. We were also able to take the mascara and donate a percentage of the sales back to Wands for Wildlife to help them with their efforts because they honestly go so much further beyond the wands. They're looking to help at-home rehabilitators, helping them, whatever they need financially, anything beyond just the makeup. And that's what I love about this, that it's truly so much more than just what meets the eye. It goes on a much deeper level. Can you show us the palette again? I, I want to have a closer look. Oh, yeah. And also, also for people who might want to buy it, are, are they able to buy it? Can they go somewhere to, to purchase it online? Absolutely. It is on the Lady Code shop. So... The big palette, I haven't fully cleaned my house, is still packed away from my last trip somewhere in a suitcase. But this one is the Elementals palette. So this is your glitter Elementals, and it's named after, ultimately, our sisterhood and all the different queens we have in our Elemental Court at Miss Earth USA. That's perfect. I love the idea of that. I don't know anything about makeup, but I, I love the way that that's packaged and marketed. Um just to backtrack to what you were saying about the makeup sometimes having toxic um, toxic ingredients in it, I know you spent a lot of time with uh, Gracie Pfaff, um, who is your yeah. Miss Earth eco, and she's allergic to, well, I say <laughs> aluminium. Uh, I say aluminium. You, 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 you Americans say aluminium. We can, we can argue on that later. But I remember talking to her and her, her sort of journey trying to find makeup that didn't have aluminum in it because apparently it was absolutely everywhere so I, I think i think it's really interesting in terms of because the beauty industry sometimes is not seen as something that really supports the environment and to be fair sometimes some of the big companies don't do things that are best for the environment maybe they prioritize their profits a little bit too much so how important is it for you as a, as a makeup artist to be not only doing something, but to be promoting your business, your passion in a way that actually does give back to the earth rather than, you know, putting the toxic minerals in it or harming animals and things like that. Because as you said, it's, you're balancing two passions here. You grew up on a farm and then you love the glitz and the glam. And I know from interviewing farm girls, you don't wear the glitz and glam when you're 
unless you guys do things differently. I've never <laughs> seen never seen anyone with a full face of makeup with their hand up a cow. It, it, it doesn't. <laughs> may, maybe it's done somewhere. And I say that because I've been given certain images that I can't get out of my mind. <laughs> but how important is it to you as a makeup artist to be able to do something and go, actually, this is giving back to the earth rather than taking away from it? So important. You know, my journey as a makeup artist started in sales. And I sometimes you just don't know what it is that you don't know. You mm. want to believe that big companies behind this, that even our countries who regulate this are taking care of us and thinking about our best interest at heart and are ensuring that these companies are using clean ingredients and that they're not testing their products on animals. But what I learned through sales and working on the back end is that unfortunately not every company thinks like that. And here in the States, we definitely have room for opportunity for more regulations against products in their packaging. But being a makeup artist and being able to share what I've learned from working in sales and now starting my own business as an artist with my clients and even my former customers who purchase from me is huge. I see so many women and hey, you know, there's men that love makeup too. There's men that are about their skincare too. It is not something that's just gender specific here, but being able to share more with them and to touch more lives through it and help them see that, you know, our beauty products don't have to harm the environment. There are mm. options out there. You it takes a little bit of research, but that's where I'm in such a great position to be able to share with them something like the Lady Code Shopper. You know, another favorite of mine is Milk Makeup or Tarte Makeup, companies that are helping set the standard and do something that's helping our Mother Earth instead of harming it. It's very, I, man, it's so huge to me. And it's what I love so much about what I do. It's more than just painting somebody's face and saying, oh, I do feel fabulous now. It's being able to take that awareness one step further and be able to share with them like, hey, this is why I use this or here's something really cool for your makeup bag that I thought maybe you would like to know. Because mm -hmm. also too, man, it just circles back into the ingredients. You know, our skin is our largest organ. And it's another thing people don't think about is, you know, the products we put into our skin ultimately seep also into our bloodstreams. So we have to be so cautious about what it is that we're putting on our face constantly. Yeah, I mean, there there was an incident somewhere in the United States where the tap water had become toxic. I think something had seeped into it and you shower in it. You might think, well, I'm not drinking it, but it seeps right through the skin and ends up in your bloodstream. Just from a business perspective, how difficult is it as a makeup artist? So I imagine that you you travel, let's say, to a pageant and you bring a lot of your own materials and products, if not all. Um, how difficult is it to make sure that all of your products or as many products as possible are actually environmentally friendly? Because in a lot of other businesses, for example, if you want to do something sustainably or ethically, it's not always easy because it tends to cost more. So is it the same case um, in makeup in, in, uh, in a, as being a makeup artist? Is it how easy is it to actually make sure everything you're using is um, ethically sound and aligns with your beliefs? There is definitely a barrier to it. And one thing too, that we see is that there's not a lot of opportunities for it. You know, for instance, disposable products are oftentimes what we use. And there are some disposable products you don't have to have. There are makeup tools for it. 
But then mm-hmm. the question becomes, how clean is that makeup tool getting? Is it something I know for sure is going to be clean enough in between clients that I can use it again? So it becomes a matter of safety versus the environment. And that's a tricky line to play into. So being able to have something like once for wildlife and say, I know I'm not discarding it. It's going to be used for good. It'll be able to be continued to use for good. And I know it'll be clean enough for them (laughs) to use it for medical aid or whatever it is they might need to use it for is really crucial. But even beyond, you know, looking to see just what's available. Anytime I find something new, I start making small little changes. Like I've swapped out Mm -hmm. all my hairbrushes for hairbrushes made out of recycled plastic because that's something that now we're seeing more of. So I do love to see the change the industry is making in the direction they're headed towards. There's still just a lot of room for growth, but it's something that I pray we see happen sooner rather than later. So we can continue, especially as artists, to make that change. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of the nice thing too about working so many pageants is that I connect with other artists. So I'm able to share with them what I've learned about sustainability to help them practice more sustainability with their own business. Have you found that in the industry in general, I'm talking about the makeup industry, not not the pageant industry for a second, but in the makeup industry in general, at least the makeup artists that you've worked with, are they always interested as you in the environment? Like, is there that push from the makeup artists themselves to really find stuff that only look doesn't not only doesn't look great, but actually is great for the environment as well? Because I feel like overall our society is becoming more environmentally aware which is a good thing, just in your industry in particular, have you found that there's a lot of people such as yourself who are interested in finding well-sourced products or is it still a little bit of the hang back where people are just using the products they've used for years, even though maybe let's say they're not so good for the environment? You know, I've actually gotten great feedback on it. I work in a pageant photography studio throughout the week and there's three separate artists there. So I was able to place a box for them to collect their mascara wands into. Mm -hmm. And I notice every time I come in, that box gets fuller and fuller. So I think being able to just help the solution and show people the way to do so makes it easier for them and also makes it seem more attainable because it can be very overwhelming to think about trying to completely revamp your kit or, you know, practice something new, carrying around maybe a recycling bin with you for all those plastic trays of fake lashes that you have. But what I've noticed as well with traveling to different pageants and connecting with different artists, they see what I do on social media or we've been at other pageants together and they know I'm coming. And I cannot tell you how many times I've had other artists run up to me like with great big bags of mascara ones, just so excited to give them to me. And they're like, I've been saving these for you. I got my lash girl to collect them for you. I mean, everybody's just jumping on board because it's such a simple way to make a difference. And I I really love that concept of breaking it down into smaller bite-sized pieces because I know for me, having the little things organized out on a to-do list and checking off the little boxes makes me feel very accomplished. So I'm going to assume here that's probably a very similar concept happening. It's that little change, like I'm doing something that's going to help make a difference. And when they see my videos as well on social media of how a wildlife center has used the mascara wands to get a bot fly out of a wound for a squirrel, that entices them to want to help more. So I think it's actually been a very positive experience. Nice. Um, Just one more question on the makeup artistry. I've spoken to a few makeup artists and um, I'm going to assume that you have like your favorite secret weapon or your favorite secret tip. 
So can I just ask, what is your favorite? Let's say when you're working on a client, what is your favorite part to do? And which part is your least favorite part to do? And I ask this because I was interviewing a title holder over in Texas and her brother was a makeup artist. And he said he hates doing lashes. And I've spoken to more than a few people who just, they hate lashes. Apparently they get stuck in weird places and then you lose one and then this glue is a thing and you don't want to glue your eyes shut. So as a makeup artist yourself, what when you're painting someone else's face, what's your favorite part to do? And maybe not what part do you hate, but what's your least favorite part to do? My favorite is eyebrows. Now, mine personally got stuck in that 2017 trend of the really high arches, and they are struggling so hard to grow back. I totally regret <laughs> overwaxing them back then. But I love shaping somebody's eyebrows because it can really elevate the look, and it can, you know, sometimes for some of my elderly clients, they find that it can even help with the face. It's not just the face, they feel it takes yeah. years off their face, and it's that defining point in how the makeup look finishes. And it's something that's so simple. Maybe people would overlook, but that's where I love to, I would spend way too much time there. Honestly, if I could, I love eyebrows, man, my least favorite part, honestly, is going to be the lips because I think when we do our own lipstick, we're so trained to make the Venus flytrap face in the, mm -hmm. in the yeah. mirror. And what I found is a lot of times when clients do that one side of the face or different muscles get tired and, <laughs> things just <laughs> it loses all sense of symmetry and trying to navigate around that I'm like you know what i appreciate the help you can just you can just relax you don't have to do all that for me i do appreciate it though i think it's very sweet <laughs> but getting them to just relax and keep their <laughs> mouth still to perfectly make everything nice and symmetrical but that's even a challenge in itself is to yeah. Side match the other and you know, honestly, I can't think of many people in this world who have a perfectly symmetrical face. So trying to find that balance that highlights their future their features or maybe creates the symmetry that they're looking for can be a bit of a challenge. And you know, you also need a steady hand for that, which I found that is not one of my strong suits, but we navigate through it. <laughs> I have a friend, a good friend over in Canada who recently got crowned as Miss International Canada. So she'll be competing for Canada and Japan in so somewhere around the same time as yourself. And I was talking to her on an Amazon live. We were talking about our favorite Amazon products and she was talking about her brows. And similarly to yourself, she, she loves her brows. She thinks they're her best feature and the best compliment. She, the, the compliment that makes her feel the best is when she goes into the ladies bathroom. And apparently, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. <laughs> women, women stop her in the bathroom and say, Oh my God, I love your brows. And apparently that happens to her like on quite a consistent basis. So has that ever happened to you? Yes, actually. I, it's so heartwarming when I get compliments on my brows. That's something I spend way too much time on. I mean, honestly, tonight when I was getting ready for an interview, at one point looked down at the clock, timing myself, making sure I'm doing okay on time. And I looked back up and I was like, my goodness, you know, I just spent more time on my eyebrows than I did. <laughs> everything else but i also have this one that really likes to just hang out up here it takes a lot to get it to stay down this is just where it likes to stay i'm very uh, with my eyebrows 
we're getting into the talent portion of the interview. Are you able to move your eyebrows independently? Um, kind of. Let's see. So I have this one that really does its own, but this, this one does okay. So it's actually something I learned from my dad. We were sitting, I don't know, in our living room at one point when I was a kid and he could do it so well with his eyebrows and I don't, it just really bothered me. I couldn't do that. So I went back and forth until I could make it happen like he did. And I don't know if I regret that or not the way this one just hangs up. How, how, what, what, what triggers that one to go off? Is it like a... Is, is it like judgmental? Is it like inquisitive? Like what, what emotion is, <laughs> what emotion sets that one off? Honestly, I don't know. It's something I catch in my pictures a lot too. I mean, I could just be smiling and this one's way up here. I, I found that I am very expressive with my facials. Maybe I can blame it on my time that I cheered. You know, you have all your big, wild, crazy facials you make in your routine. So I, I'm going to blame it on that because I don't have a better answer for it at this point. <laughs> It's just when you're when you're not smiling. Let's say when you got your supermodel pout on and that eyebrow goes up, it just looks like, you know, when a guy has done something wrong, and then his girl looks at him in a certain way, it looks like that look. Yeah, it's like stone cold killer judgmental <laughs> judgment. You know, when you've done something to annoy a woman and she looks at you like that, that's that's the eyebrow just makes the whole look. Without the eyebrow, it's like whatever. With the eyebrow though, it's like uh oh, I done wrong. So, uh, I want I, to I just that. let me let me back away from pageantry for a second because I, I want to get to know you know what you do outside of pageantry because we talked a little bit about it obviously with with the makeup um and you said that you grew up on a farm but I want to backtrack just to Gracie Faff because I I've seen so many videos of you guys <laughs> doing stuff and I haven't seen anything like really weird, but I just get the vibe that from looking at the vibe of the video, it's like, I think you two get along too well. And I bet that when you're together, like really weird stuff is happening. <laughs> I can't remember like whether you have like nicknames or like special, like weird things that you found out about each other, but can we just oh, start allergies. with, <laughs> well, yeah, see, I, I thought that cause I saw your eyebrows actually go up when I mentioned the allergies. <laughs> <laughs> did did, did you put in it? Did you put in your story that she's the most allergic person or something? Like, is she yes. allergic to a lot? What is she allergic to? I knew the aluminum thing. What uh, else is she allergic to? That's my favorite. Because if I give her a piece of gum, I have to open it for her. <laughs> um, I know she's allergic to red dye. She has a gluten sensitivity. Um, I'm pretty sure she's dairy-free as well. I'm trying to think. What else is she allergic to? I used to be, I had the list down packed while we were together in Miami because it dictated everywhere we went out to eat we're a great pair to go out to eat with um she's more fun than i am with all of her allergies i'm plant-based so i know that i pose my own set of challenges but not like she does goodness i think what gets me the most is the aluminum because when she wants a piece of gum the way i have to open it for her and hand it to her like my like if anybody just watched they'd probably think she's the most bougiest person alive to have her friend <laughs> a pack of gum for but it's like no she she really just can't touch it <laughs> please please don't tell me that you actually have to put it in her mouth for her <laughs> no fortunately I not but i mean i do love her enough that she just really wanted the gum but i think if it gets down to that point you probably you shouldn't have the gum i mean i'm oh. concerned for health and safety at this point i think um whatever that coating is on the inside of the gum is what 
makes it protects the gum from the aluminum so at least she can take it for herself but goodness no if i had to put it in her mouth i just wouldn't let her have it like there's just no way your body needs this right now i i'm just surprised that given that she's allergic to aluminum that she would even want gum in the first place because i could imagine like she can't take it around herself (laughs) exactly I, I don't know much about gum packaging, but all the packaging that I've seen with gum here does have that sort of aluminum on the outside. So it's just weird to me because I know Gracie very well. I'm interviewing her and her sister, actually. They're competing as sisters. Oh, I'm so excited cool. for that one. They're both you know, just small babies. In, in a couple of weeks. And see, here's the thing. Whenever I interview Gracie, I'm sure you know about Harvest 107 and her not-for-profit. And, you know, she started when she was like 12 or something, which Isn't is just like... Crazy? Like they're celebrating their 10 year anniversary and she's like 20 something. I'm like, what? Uh, I think back to what I was doing when I, when I was that age, it's like, it wasn't starting up a nonprofit. That's for sure. But she seems so put together and very well-spoken and she is, but then I hear some things about the way that her little sister will tease her and does imitations (laughs) of her. I don't know if you've seen that. It's hilarious, but when you guys are together, I have to imagine that it's not like that all the time, right? Like whenever you spend a bunch of time around your pageant sisters, the quirky nature and the weird humor has to come out, right? Especially when you spend that much time and you're putting gum in, in gum in her <laughs> mouth for her. Absolutely. Man, I, I love our time together. And it's when she took over the Tennessee title last year, you know, my heart goes out to her. She really just busted tail to catch up because I believe she was the last one in the class, if not second to last. Yeah. There might have been one girl right after her. So she had a lot of catching up to do, and I really just admired her drive. But even before I saw that, I I was just drawn to her. I reached out to her. I was like, oh, my gosh, you're Tennessee. I have family that lives back home in Tennessee. Please let me know what part you're in. I'd love to connect with you, get to work with you. And I think that really opened the door. We actually, ironically enough, just so happened to be on the same floor at Miss Earth USA this year in our hotel. So it was nice to get to pass each other and now to be sister queens together, be on that elemental court, but then also to have all the opportunities we've had this year. She came to visit me in Kentucky at one point. We've been together in Miami and Atlanta. I feel like there's somewhere else I'm missing. Those, those three for sure off the top of my head, but just getting that time together has been so nice and i'm so grateful for her I, we still talk on a pretty regular basis she's a great friend of mine how, how much time have you gotten to spend with your elemental court just out of interest because that's one of the, the the unique things about earth is that you do have an elemental court it's not just the title holder um and remind me of who the elemental court is so obviously there's yourself there's gracie i know um angel angel strong but the others are slipping my mind so r- run me through the list and I hope you remember because yes. if you don't oh, remember, absolutely. that'll be a good one. I love run my me, <laughs> run me through the list and how, how often do you get to spend time with them? Let's see. So Angel is our fire and we joke around and say that's so perfect for her with her fiery personality. And when we actually had an elemental retreat here in Kentucky back in the spring and she was our girl to get our campfire started for our s'mores. It was too cold for a campfire, unfortunately. <laughs> and too our cold. S'mores, well, our too cold for a campfire? More so for the s'mores. Our s'mores were freezing right. before we could eat them. I mean, you'd pull them out of the fire and they would freeze over. I, who knew that was possible, oh. right? But uh, let's see. Our Miss Earth USA heir is Shauna Melvin. And I've gotten to spend quite a lot of time with her. I saw her in D.C. back in the spring. And I just saw her not too long ago in Maryland as she passed down mm-hmm. her Maryland title. 
And then our Miss Earth USA water is Natalia and she lives in Puerto Rico and I haven't been able to spend any time with her yet. I want to get a trip to, down to Puerto Rico before the year ends, but I did see she is also getting ready to compete for Miss Puerto Rico Earth. So we're really excited for her. We're cheering her on and can't wait to see how she does. That would be the perfect time for me to make a trip. It's to the pageant. <laughs> Decided. You sound like you're looking for an excuse to, to travel to Puerto Rico. As you can tell, it's very hard to convince me. <laughs> yeah. I just, just back up to the s'mores freezing. How cold was it? I'm, I'm from Australia, so I don't like the sound of this. I did spend a, uh, a wind. I spent a winter in the Midwest United States in Milwaukee. And um, it was so cold that the boss, I was working there for a tennis company. The boss said, here, take this kettle, boil the water and go outside and throw it up in the air. And here's the Australian going, what, what? okay, right. Throw it up in the air, and I kid you not, it freezes in midair and comes down as ice. And I'm like, that that doesn't happen in Australia. How cold was it that it's your, your s'mores are freezing? That's what we were saying. I think, honestly, it, I mean, I don't know, at nighttime, maybe down in the 40s. I don't think it actually reached below freezing, but... They were, that's not too bad then. I don't think no, that's too bad, but they were hard as a rock. That's not fair. So I don't know. Maybe it was colder. This would have been back mid-March, I want to say. So Right, so it's going into spring. Kentucky, yeah, our weather in Kentucky is pretty hit or miss. We joke and say we get all four seasons in a week, and I think that's so true. Because at one point throughout the trip, we went, we were staying in Mammoth Cave, a national park here, and we had gone to pick up trash throughout the park. And, I mean, it was warm enough. We were in tank tops. Life was great. But the day before, we were in sleeves and jackets because it was so cold still out in the sunlight. Okay. Since you you said that you have all four seasons in one day, just remember in Australia, that's what we say about Melbourne. Not Sydney. I'm from Sydney. But Melbourne is famous for, you know, beginning of the day, oh, it's summer. Middle of the day, it freezes over. Then it's pouring. And then by the time you go back home, it's summer and it's 40 degrees again. It's it's a very it's a very temperamental city. So I don't know if anything if Kentucky is anything like that. But I did want to ask you about Kentucky because I don't know anything about Kentucky. And I've interviewed you know title holders and competitors from all around the world. But I'm interested in trying to learn more about the individual states. Now I know a lot about Texas because I've been there, and you know a lot of pageant girls come from Texas. Absolutely. The only thing I know about Kentucky is KFC. <laughs> Sorry. Can you tell me a little bit more about Kentucky? And I don't even know if KFC really is like whether you guys claim that as yes, that's us or whether it's just such a big company now that it's like not really Kentuckian, if that's the right word. Okay. Tell me more about Kentucky because I don't really know anything about it. We're definitely known for our horses. That's our big thing here. We always joke and say that our horses have nicer homes than we do. When you drive through, you see hundreds and hundreds of miles of just beautiful farmland and you'll see these beautiful stables built out for the horses and they are so beautiful out and grazing and oftentimes their stables are nicer than the homes that their owners live in we really value our horses here so we're big on the kentucky derby as well i was Mm -hmm. really fortunate this year i got to go and attend the racing was such a neat experience for me you know i love the horses of course and always love getting to interact when I can. That doesn't happen at the Derby, but it's really enticing to get to see the different fashions at the Derby. So we really do the big hats and the big, the women yep. wear the fascinators and the men wear the big hats. It's like a, 
fashion show, honestly. And I love yeah. to see what people are going to bring out. Um, Kentucky, if you're into this kind of thing, we're known for our bourbon. If it's not from Kentucky, it's not bourbon, which I know ultimately it has to do with the limestone. But when you're from here, if it's not from Kentucky, it's not bourbon. Um, but we're also big into our sports, college sports, rural everything here. So our state's pretty divided. If you're a U of L fan or a UK fan, that's that's our big divide. And every now and then we'll catch a bandwagon and it'll be our state versus Tennessee. And there'll be like a couple other states in the SEC that we're really big up against. But in the state as a whole, you're a UK fan or you're a U of L fan. And I used to live in Lexington, so I wore my Kentucky blue for UK. Mm-hmm. But now I live in Louisville, so I wear my red. And my family are very devout UK fans. So I'd love to show up in a Louisville t-shirt just to get under their skin a little bit. <laughs> you're, that, you're that kind of person, are you? I am. And my the best part, too, though, is that I'm really just not a big sports person. So for me, it's <laughs> it's just giving my family a hard time because I can. <laughs> just, just to get a rise out of them. Um, you, you talked about horses. Do you ride them yourself at all? I have a couple times. So actually, I did once upon a time on a beach in Puerto Rico. It was so beautiful. I 10 out of 10 recommend horseback riding on the beach, whether or not it's in Puerto Rico, but that just topped it all off. My best friend growing up had horses. So we were always out at the horse shows on the weekend and she would show and we would do, we call them fun shows. And they had different categories, but our thing was the baby bottle run. So she would sit on the saddle and I would sit right behind the saddle and she would have a baby bottle over her shoulder that I had to drink out of and they would run those horses throughout the ring and the commentator would stop them and say, okay, well now you're going to walk in reverse and now you're going to go sideways. Okay. Now go left, now go right. And it was to see who could drink out of the bottle the fastest. (laughs) This sounds so crazy to say out loud, but it honestly, it was the highlight of our summer. Each and every year we traveled from one side of Kentucky to the other looking for these baby bottle runs. And I made sure that I was always able to go. I, I loved getting to spend time with her and her family. When When's the last time you did did a baby bottle run? Is this something that's only for kids or can adults do it as well? You know, looking back, I want to say I did see some adults in it as well. I want to say our last one was probably my freshman year of high school. So I would have been 14, 15 at the time. Um, Her and I both cheered and we wound up going to different high schools and our cheer schedule just got in the way of our horse show fun. But man, we made the most out of it every summer that we could. I loved getting to go out there with her. It just sounds like it would be a very interesting pageant talent to um, debut on the stage, I've—I mean, you know, there's so crazy ideas here. <laughs> there's, there's so many cliche talents. Not that they're not talents, but you know, singing, for example, a lot of people sing. But I've never heard of someone going on stage with a horse and then doing a baby bottle run. That—that that would certainly that would be the talent. That would capture some attention, that's for sure. If you can tame the horse, I was asking about horse riding because I—I I hate horses because more. What? <laughs> Well, I can't ride them. I okay. uh, every time I try riding a horse, I can't walk for a week, and I'm sure I'm doing <laughs> it wrong. Um, I just maybe I'm riding the wrong horses as well because people have told me when you start off on the horses that we have around here, well, an hour and a half north, they're like um they're very trained to just ride on the trail, so they don't listen to anything, they don't take any of your feedback, and they will purposely. Some of the horses have these this personality where they will purposely walk under a tree because they know that they'll bump you off 
and so um, I haven't had the best experience with horses. So anytime I see someone who loves horse riding, I'm like, I don't, I don't understand it. But I mean, it sounds, it sounds like you guys had fun. Maybe I should try the the baby baby bottle run. I, I think oh, that would be <laughs> that sounds like it'd be a good challenge. Um, so outside of the pageantry, you probably don't have much time at the moment for anything else. But tell me more about yourself outside of pageantry, like hobbies for relaxation. I know that you said you already cheered. Tell tell me a bit more about Danielle outside of pageantry. Or what, what will you be doing come 2024, let's say February or March, when the rain is over, Miss Earth USA is done, you've handed over your title. What are some of the things that you'll be getting back into? Well, my fingers are crossed that I'll have a new rain in my hands. Uh, see, hobby-wise, you know, this year being Miss Earth USA has taken that front burner on my life. It's been my forefront and focus. But outside of pageantry, I've always loved to go thrift shopping. I like to find old home decor and see how I can spice it up, DIY project, make it something I like in my home. My dad was an antique collector, and I always liked to take them and turn them into what I wanted. And it drove him up the wall. You don't spray paint antiques. You leave them as they are. They're prestige. But I think they're really pretty when they're gold. That's just my take on things. And I think it looks wonderful in my house. My mom and I would go through and find different clothes we liked, and we'd bring them home. We'd cut them up, flip them, change them, rearrange them, make them into something even better, something we liked so that we had our one-of-a-kind pieces um, this summer, I was a part of Let's Dance Louisville. It's our version of Dancing with the Stars. Look, you can hear that Kentucky accent come out when you say Louisville. Fun fact, you have to sound like you're throwing up when you say it. <laughs> but I, I don't know really... if that's a fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting fact, fun. fun okay. fact. Yeah. So now if you ever have to say something about Louisville, you sound like a local if you say it like you're throwing up. Nobody will ever know. We know if you are or aren't based on how you say it. But um, so let's dance a little this summer it was so much fun. I did dance for a little bit growing up, but I really just wanted to cheer and being a part of dance took my time away from that. I wanted to run off and flip and do crazy things. But I fell in love with ballroom dancing this summer and I really just endured my instructor. So I think once my schedule calms, I'm probably going to take that up. It was so nice to have something for myself. And he works as a real estate agent. He runs his business, his dance studio. So he's kind of got a schedule similar to mine and he does a lot of traveling for dance. So when I came in for dance practice, what I really admired was that I had to take off my Apple watch. I had to take my phone, put it upside down. Everything was on do not disturb. And I was just Daniela ballroom dancer for an hour and got to cut up and have fun and be free and take everything out of my mind for a minute. So I absolutely think I'm coming back to do dance. And I know me, I'm going to end up probably competing at that point too. Um, another thing I've thought about post pageantry is bodybuilding competitions. I love working out at the gym. I'm there nearly three hours a day. I enjoy every aspect of it. So I think something more along the lines of a bikini competition, which is more form figure and the leanness mm -hmm. instead of the bulk and the muscle. I don't know if I have it in me to, <laughs> to lift weights that heavy, but I can cut my food plans and cut and lean. I think that would be a blast. So I don't know. That's been on my plate. There was a show coming up I was highly considering, but I filled up my schedule with something else. So I took it as a sign not to focus on that right now and just be Miss Earth USA and get ready for Miss Earth. And that'll always be there. So I don't know. Lots of things that I'm thinking about doing. 
the the bodybuilding competition is is interesting because i i've been through i spent a lot of time in the gym and playing around with different diets and you know when you're when you're bulking up it's um you have to eat basically i just remembered the last time i tried this all i was eating was chicken it was chicken breast chicken breast chicken i got so sick of, of the sight and the smell of chicken but um it's i mean talking about the gym you say you're going there three hours a day which is a lot um and i know that you had a very significant weight loss um it, it, correct me if i'm wrong but i think you put on some amount of weight during the pandemic as as we all did i think um and then you worked very hard obviously to to take it off but can can we delve into that a little bit just before we move towards a close because um i've seen a, a photo that you've put up um and like i said i can't imagine you blonde i couldn't believe that was you and then now to be you know in the shape that you are now t tell me a bit more about that journey goodness you know i really just let go of everything during the pandemic. I started off saying this is my time to get in the best shape of my life. I was in mm. college and already went to the gym every day. I didn't spend the time like I did now. I really didn't know what I was doing in there, but I loved just getting to go. And then in the pandemic, I not having somewhere to physically go really changed things for me. And especially as the weather's changed, I didn't want to go outside for a run. Yeah. I wanted to stay inside. So I found myself eating through all of my quarantine snacks. Quite literally. I mean, I remember at one point I was like, oh my gosh, I just bought a gallon of ice cream last week. How was it already time to buy another? It was truly so unhealthy what I was doing to my body and I just didn't care. Mm. So it finally got to the point that I just put on the weight so quickly that when I got out of bed in the morning, I had to sit at the edge of my bed and I had to kind of take a minute to muster up the strength because I just put on the weight faster than my body could handle. Mm. And I remember... I was driving down to go be with my mom. She was having her hip replaced. Way too young to have a hip replaced, but bone problems like this just run in our gene pool. And as I'm trying to get the car loaded to go and be with her, I'm struggling just out of breath, having to stop, catch myself. And I realized, you know, to be at the time, I think I was 23, maybe just turned 23, to be this young and to be in this much pain and to be struggling this bad is really bad. I'm mm. setting myself up for a lifetime of ultimately failure at this point, And I have to do something to make a difference. So in that moment, I called the first person I knew that was a physical trainer. And I said, you know, I need help. I have no clue what I'm doing. My weight's yo-yoed my entire life, but I've never been this heavy. I, it feels overwhelming. I don't think I can get it off myself. I need help. So having that vulnerability moment and just completely surrendering and saying, I need help, something I'm, I'm not good at saying is what helped me take charge of things. And so I found in cooking chicken multiple times a day to get the weight off. I, I did not like chicken. I really loved animals and it totally mm. grossed me out. So that's also when I became a vegetarian. <laughs> I couldn't look at the raw chicken anymore. Yeah. And I said for years I wanted to do it, but that really, that sold the deal. So since then, just learning to love myself and love my body at every size and it wasn't about the appearance for me. It was, I want to get out of bed in the morning and like stand mm. straight up. I don't want to have to sit at the edge of the bed and catch my breath and muster my strength. I want to get up and go when I'm tired of hurting. And so in loving myself and wanting to just feel better in my own body, that's when the shift started to happen and the weight started to come off and it started to stay off. I wasn't 
yo-yoing like I once was. And now even looking back, I've learned to make those healthier habits. And I, you know, maybe every now and then I come home and I can eat the entire kitchen and I consider eating the entire kitchen because I think it sounds amazing, but I don't. I keep healthier options in the house. I've learned the foods that I need to help nourish my body. I've learned how these macros work. You know, it's not some foreign science experiment. I learned, you know, when I need to have more carbs, when my body's feeling mm. more fat, when I need more protein so that I can have a happy, healthy, balanced life. And I've really fallen in love with the gym. I work out, I love to work out at Hotworks. You work out in an infrared sauna. So I crank that thing up to 130 degrees. That's as high as it'll go. But the sweat is so relaxing and I feel like it always just decompresses me and helps me think forward, think ahead and get to where I need to go next. That's actually where I was before this is getting my sweat on. And I love every minute of it. And to see how far I've come and to see that now I'm in a better shape than I was pre-pandemic time and it just mm. to get better is so energizing and motivating in itself. 130 degrees, hey? Uh, that's... I, I was in Texas last year and every day was above 100 and I thought that was <laughs> sweltering. 130, but see, I'm, I'm similar to yourself in terms of I love sweating, but there's something very therapeutic about it. Like I play a lot of tennis. I was out on the tennis court yesterday and it, it's been hot here. It's, we're coming into summer down south. Um, and I remember because I worked as a tennis coach at an all-girls school and there were so many girls who would be like, oh, I don't want to sweat. That's disgusting. And I just could never understand that concept because A, it's a natural bodily function. But B, it just feels, and I'm, I'm just curious about the hot works and get 130. I haven't played tennis in 130. I probably shouldn't. But my mind is totally different though than outside yeah. heat. <laughs> oh, okay, because my mind is going, that could be interesting. Totally what, what What's it like working in 130 degree heat? I'm just thinking like I'd be sweating so much, I'd be dropping everything all over the place and my towel, I need 10 towels. What, what's oh, that yeah. like? Oh, you're totally drenched in sweat. I mean, when I come home and I switch out of my gym clothes, I have to let them hang so they don't mold in the laundry basket. <laughs> um, let's see. When you walk into the sauna, you can definitely feel the heat. And I saw that comparison between the infrared heat and the outdoor mm. heat. I actually was invited to the Hotworks convention over the summer. I've been wow. an evangelist over my journey with them and sharing how much I love the sweat and, you know, in losing 80 pounds since the beginning of 20. 21. Goodness. So they invited me down as a special guest of honor and they had an outdoor workout and to go through the similar workouts you do in a sauna, which essentially Mm. are not your high intensity in the same sense you would at a gym with quicker reps. It's more slower isometric holds, Mm -hmm. put that outside, even over hundred degrees. There's a huge difference. And the temperature was, I don't know, maybe 20 degrees less than what I'm used to in the saunas, but that, that, with the humidity, totally different. But I mean, when you walk in the sauna, you can feel the heat, but it doesn't feel like it's smothering you. You don't feel that there's no humidity to it. It's just infrared. So as you begin to sweat, you can feel your heart rate elevate, but you, it feels freeing in a sense. You just can feel the stress releasing and it's energizing. And when you leave, you may be drenched, maybe soaking wet. But you yeah. catch a second wind of energy after it. And I that's what I love the most about it. It's its so healthy. There's so many health benefits behind infrared heat. And it's really made a difference for me. I'm now, my the wheels are turning in my head. Is there any way to play tennis in an infrared sauna? Probably not. But, I, I, one, but I think it's possible. 
I could say I, I do I do love sweating. I, I sweat a lot, and it, as I, as you said, it's like afterwards. It just feels it feels good in 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 a different way. Um, but if I just back backtrack to when you decided to start, I don't want to call it your weight loss journey because I I don't I don't think that does it justice. I think it's much more an internal journey of of growth, spiritual as much as anything else. But um, I, I just started working out again because I look, took a look at myself and I was like, you know, people say love your body, but I was looking at myself going, I'm, I'm not this, I'm, I'm better than this. It's not about hating yourself or for me, it's just about I'm better than this and I want to get back into shape. And so I just started working out again. And, you know, when you, when you know when one of those days when you can't walk and you, you can't bend down and you don't want to go to the bathroom. You don't want to go upstairs, downstairs. You just want to lie in bed. I woke up this morning. I was like, that. I was like oh, my God, I can't. I remember what this feels like. How, how hard was it, those first steps, trying to take control back of your life? As you said, you reached out for help, and you said multiple times. That's not an easy thing for you, but that, that takes a lot of courage. I think it takes a lot more courage to ask for help than try to pretend everything's perfect. How difficult were the first few steps before it sort of became habit, became routine? I was not yet a makeup artist. I was working actually in the restaurant industry. I had stepped out of sales, was trying to figure out what on earth I was doing with my life at this point. So I took the first job that would hire me during the pandemic. And I worked nights. And I, man, <laughs> I worked overtime. I was working in the uppers of 60 hours a week, nearly every day. Oh. So to make the time for the gym, that was the first thing I stressed on the phone to this trainer. It's like, I listen, <laughs> I cannot be in here every day. I don't have time for it. I will not mm. stick with it. So my plan originally was for four days a week and I had to really time manage. I had to make time for it. So if that meant when I got off at midnight, I turned around and I went to the gym and I was there until 1 a.m., with a COVID mask on, this was COVID time, then I had to do it. And it was a hard pill to swallow to realize that if I really want to change, I had to get comfortable mm. with being uncomfortable. That's, I think that's like a great life slogan there to be comfortable with being yeah. uncomfortable. So I had to go to the gym with the mask on. I hated every minute of that. It was so hard to breathe, which I already, it was hard to breathe just to be so heavy. Mm. But I either had to get up earlier than I wanted to, to go before I worked or I had to go after I had worked. So I had to choose which option I want, wanted there, which, which one was going to be harder for me. But I knew too, I had to physically choose my heart. It was hard to be overweight and I could choose to stay there or yeah. I had to choose my heart of making the time in my schedule, which was hard, but it was going to ultimately get me to where I wanted to be. So even on the days I did not feel like it. And on the days I had terrible workouts and was like, well, that probably did nothing for me. I still went and I still continued to go because I had to make it that habit. I knew if I wanted anything to get better for me because what I was doing clearly wasn't working. Mm. How, um, when did you first begin to, cause it sounds like you love working out now. So can't keep, kick you out of the gym. When did you, when did that begin to shift? So rather than dreading the workout when did it begin to shift where you started looking forward to it Ooh, once i started to see results it became so addicting i mean even in college you know i worked out on a regular ish basis but i never really saw any muscle definition i mm -hmm. i was in rather good shape you know i'm happy with how things were for me at that time period but when i was really doing things right 
really learning how to eat for my body and how to properly nourish my body. And I started to see results. It became so addicting. You know, I never thought I'd be somebody who could flex in the mirror and see muscles pop or, you know, start to see some app definite. I mean, definitely not app definition. That's <laughs> one reason, like going back to pageantry in my teen years, there was a lot of pageants I avoided because they wanted a swimsuit and there was no way my body was, I felt like my body was swimsuit ready, yeah. which is all a mindset issue. But yeah. to start to see the things change and mold and to see that you can do things you never thought were possible. Like, but what if maybe I turn up the heat and I go five days a week? Or what if maybe, you know, I try to lift something heavier. And so to also lift those heavier weights and to push yourself past your limits and to see that you're so much more capable than anything you ever thought possible was so motivating to me. Did you say that you're vegetarian now? I am. I would almost... I still eat eggs. They're cage-free. That's the only thing that keeps me at this point okay. from being vegan. Okay. Um, give me some of your favorite vegetarian snacks because I'm wanting to incorporate more veggies. And it's ironic because I used to be vegan. I used to be a raw foodist, which is even more extreme version. Oh my but it was, a while, it was a while ago. And then I went through a period where everyone's talking about protein, protein, protein. Like when you're bulking up, it's all chicken, chicken, chicken. There's no vegetables inside because you want to fit in more protein. But what are some of your vegetarian snacks? Because back when I was doing it, vegetarian options didn't exist but now there are so many vegetarian options available and they look a lot more appetizing i've tried some of them what are some of your favorite vegetarian snacks goodness i'm totally going to tell it myself i've eaten just about the same thing every day now since last summer trying to just cut and lean as much as i can for competition time i know it's yep. not something that's required of me but you know it's that mindset of i want to push myself and see how much further i can get and for me it's easy enough when the macros are already set out to just make the same thing every single day eat yeah. the same thing every single day so all my food is totally bland i don't season anything at this point just trying to keep as lean as possible it's one of my ways that I will feel like I'm leaving everything on the stage, you know, and that's something that just looks different for everybody. But let's see, I actually just discovered uh, protein ice cream. So I'll go on oh, TikTok yeah. making it and yep. just putting pudding powder into her protein shakes and then popping it yep. in the fridge. So I actually just made one yesterday and I took one of the press uh, quest protein cookies and I oh, covered yeah. it up to kind of make a base and yep. I threw in a, banana protein shake, banana flavored protein shake with some sugar-free vanilla pudding powder. And it was so good. Oh my gosh. Could eat that nonstop, like favorite dessert right there. And I'm normally not a banana person like that. So let's see. I also really love, um, what is it? I'm a big peanut butter person. That is my oh, yeah. addiction. I could live off peanut butter. I don't need anything else. <laughs> That's it for me. So I love trying to, you know, if you're trying to cut down your calories with it, I'll do peanut butter powder with raspberries or honestly just peanut butter with jelly. Forget the bread. I just, <laughs> just need the two things right there. That's great for me. That's a favorite. I, don't, I can't call it a meal, but I eat it like it's a meal. That's why I can't keep it in the house because I know that I, that's unfortunately that one area I don't have self-control and discipline in. So I can't keep it in the house. Let's see. What's another favorite of mine? I love to do like a little grab and go box. So I'll do some tofu with asparagus and some almonds, just something I can easily pop in the air fryer, mm. throw it in Tupperware container and then take it with me as I go. I always love a good protein bar. Can never go wrong to think protein bars are my favorite. I've learned those are also protein bars I cannot keep in the house because 
don't have the self-control and discipline with them, I would eat the whole box if you could. <laughs> I, I have that same issue with protein bars. Like you mentioned Quest, and we have Quest here in Australia, and I, I love Quest bars. It's, a, it's an acquired taste. It's a weird texture. I was looking at them and I was doing a review on them. And um, <laughs> you're looking at it, it kind of looks like a putty. It's not maybe the most appealing thing to look at, but I just love the taste of them. And I, I can't, like, I know they're healthy, but not when you eat 10 of them in a row and like, you can't stop. Like, I, I got a box of protein bars the other day and it's like, oh, you know, this will last you a couple of weeks. It, it lasted me like two or three days because it, it was actually peanut peanut butter. And I was I like, oh my God, this you. is because it was, it's that saltiness, but it's also kind of like it's not too sweet. And I ate the whole thing. Like the whole box was gone. Like within a couple of days, I was like, I can't have them in the house because it might be healthy when you eat one, but when you eat the entire box, it's may, maybe not such a good thing. So I'm glad I'm not the only one who finds those things well. like. I almost feel guilty saying I like the taste of it because, like, it's not food, but I, I love the taste of it. So, it probably counts, though. Well, as long as it stops you. I mean, the thing is, a lot of people who judge them, they're eating, well, KFC or McDonald's or fast food and all that stuff. So I'm like, well, you know, if you live your way, I'll live my way, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens at the end. Um, but, Danielle, just before we go to the final 10 questions, uh, is anyone that you'd like to give a shout-out to? for supporting you along your journey. My goodness, everybody. <laughs> you know, there's no specific one person I can pinpoint at this point because truly all my friends, all my family, all my coaches, the organization behind Miss Earth USA, my this Kentucky Earth team that I have had, I should say, I've passed down that crown. Oh, don't think about that. I couldn't be where I am without them. I mean, everybody's looked to pitch in, helping hand, looking, you know, can I photograph this for you? Can I video this for you? Can I come and clean your house for you? What can I do to take something that's stressing you out off of your plate for you? And I'm so, so grateful for them. I mean, I I don't think I could navigate through without their help. And I know I'm a hard person to take help, but to just know that I have so many people in my corner cheering me on and supporting me knowing that they're loving me, you know, willing to take my cats while I'm in Vietnam for a month, take that pressure off of me, that stress off of me, it means so much to me. And I, you know, I don't even know how to put into words how grateful I am. I feel like I'm forever indebted to the people around me, and I'm totally okay with that because I love them so endlessly. Well, sounds like a good group. Just pay it forward is, is all I say. Truthfully. Uh, um, now, just before we get to the final 10, Ralph um, was watching and he said good evening to myself and yourself and keep up the awesome job, Danielle. I'm proud of you and you always have my continued support. Good luck as you prepare for the pageant and see you all in December in Orlando. That's going to be for Miss Earth USA, I'm imagining. When, when is Miss Earth USA this year? Because last, last year, well, the year you won, it was literally over New Year's, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, so this year I was crowned on January 7th, and this year I hand it down December 31st. Right. Okay. And then you have New Year's. That, that'll be an interesting time. That'll be a, a Absolutely. good time. Absolutely. We're having like a big industry blowout party. It'll be so much fun. I know I'm excited to see Ralph there. He's also someone who's been so supportive and cheering me on. Okay. Let's get to these final 10 questions. And as I told you, it's been a while since I've done an interview. So first challenge will be, let's see if I can um, remember them. Number one, what is your favorite word? Fabulous. 
when we jumped on here earlier today, you might have caught it. You said, how are you doing today? And I said, fabulous. I thought that's such a British word. My my podcast co-host, yeah, from I've interviewed a lot of the UK girls, and it's always fa- fabulous. It's you know fabulous, darling, that sort of thing. I think you're the first American who said fabulous, so that's interesting to me. Uh, number two, what is your least favorite word? Probably like it's such a filler word, and it's something I catch myself when I'm trying to compare two things and explain it. It's one I would really just like to get. I would just really want to get out of my dictionary. <laughs> How'd you girls get it? <laughs> um, number three in life, what gets you excited and what turns you on? Reaching a new goal. I'm so goal, or- goal oriented. I have to have something that I'm constantly looking forward to do next. I love checking off those boxes on a to-do list and just bettering myself, but even making the most out of everything that's life has to offer because truly believe our life, you know, tomorrow isn't promised and we have to take advantage of each day and today. Go after it. What turns you off? Honestly, emptiness in my schedule. I find it's like the law of motion. A Danielle in motion stays in motion, but a Danielle on the couch stays on the couch. So when I have too many off days in a row, I start to get a little stir crazy. When, when you book a holiday, are you one of those people who has to fill in every minute of said holiday with something to do? You know, I never thought I was one of those people, but I've looked back on my years in the <laughs> USA and all the times that I've been to the beach this year, I figured for sure, you know, I would totally take a morning and evening afternoon yeah. where I could get spend some time out in the sand in the water. And I've never spent more than an hour. So I have told myself before I leave for Vietnam, I need to put one last trip to the, I'm such a beach bum, put one last trip to the beach on the books, but actually go to the beach and spend time there. We'll see if that, we'll see if, if I do that. But if, if I was a betting man, I'd take that bet and I'd be betting against it. I'm going to bet it won't happen. <laughs> I'm going to bet either, I think you'll make it to the beach, maybe, but I don't think you're going to be taking any time off. You you will find something to do. Probably, that's what I'm good at. (laughs) But you know, know, you're lucky in Kentucky about the gambling on the horse races, so maybe you should take that bet. (laughs) Okay, might might have to pay pay Kentucky a visit. Number five, what sound or noise do you love? My cat's meows, they sound like little Pokemon. I've never seen cats that have meows like this. And I'm honestly surprised they've been so quiet for our interview. <laughs> but they have the cutest little chirps and sounds that they make. I, I love I love cats. I, I have um I have two cats here and one of one oh. of the cats is just like a like I was trying to put him into a boarding house because we're going on a boat for about a week over Christmas. And um, they ask what breed he is. And, you know, there's all this fancy ones like Abyssinian and Siamese. And he's just like a nothing. He was a rescue cat. And it, you know, like, it's like, yeah, so he doesn't like, he doesn't have a breed for like blend of everything. It was just like a domestic <laughs> short hair or something like that. But it's, it's weird to me because some people really hate cats. Some people are deathly afraid of cats as well. Marissa is actually very allergic to cats. She She's in a house that has cats. She, she knows. Um, but, you know, Pete, the stereotype around cats is, oh, they're very standoffish and they're very independent. I have found cats actually a lot friendlier 
then most people think mine would follow me everywhere. I had to close the door because if I didn't, he'd be in here and he'd be looking at me rubbing against my legs if I ignored him. So um, I'm with you on the cats. What are your cats' names? So I have one actually right here. <laughs> and his name is Bagheera. He's named after the Panther in the Jungle Book. And then I have a female who has the most beautiful markings. She has like the bullseye on the side. Bagheera is a black cat. She has like the brown and tan markings with the bullseye. And her name is Sissy. You got a black cat. I do have a black cat. Lucky for you then, huh? Absolutely. You know, I actually used to have two black cats. I had three cats at one point. Right now, unfortunately, I only have two. One was sick and passed away. But I love black cats. And honestly, I think for the rest of my life, we'll look to rescue every black cat I can. They're my favorites. <laughs> it's so sweet. N Number six is what sound or noise do you hate? When they're clawing on my furniture. <laughs> It'll wake me up out of a dead sleep. And I, you know, I don't know. I don't really consider myself <laughs> to be too terribly light of a sleeper. But them on my couch, on my bed frame, it'll wake me up out of a dead sleep. They'll get that eyebrow in a judgmental way. <laughs> I, I I know what you're talking about because sometimes my cat, he won't scratch the scratching post. This is the thing with cats. You can buy them a $200 toy. They go and sit in the box that it came in and you can't get them out. But he won't scratch the post. He will scratch the softest thing you can find which is normally the furniture. And the other day I got this really thick yoga mat and it's a really nice one. What does he do? He sits on it, goes, oh, I kind of like the feel of this. It's nice and soft and starts scratching it. And I lost my rag at him. I yelled at him and he <laughs> ran away. I was like, I just got it like, you know, a day ago. And now it's got holes in it where he's been. <laughs> anyway, the joys of living with cats. Um Number seven, if you could have any one superpower, what would you pick and why? I'd want to fly. I want to get everywhere I want to go as quickly, as easily as possible. I mean, there's a sustainability factor to it. I love to travel. So for me, that's the answer. Number eight, what job would you most like to attempt? Ooh, that one. I would love to attempt being a cheer coach. My cheer days might be over, but I always loved it. I loved running around, flipping, doing all the crazy things. I'd love to take a hand at it again. Can you still do a flip? <sighs> Funny story. <laughs> I really wanted to throw one into my routine for Let's Dance Louisville this summer. So I bought an old cheer mat so I could practice out here in my backyard. I kind of still have it. I busted my butt plenty of times. Uh, and actually in that hard landing on my foot, managed to somehow pull the muscle in my quad and was down for a little bit. So, I mean, I kind of still have it. I just really have to learn my limit and that when things hurt, that means stop, don't keep going. <laughs> Good, good luck learning that lesson. You sound like someone who's probably had to, should have learned that lesson multiple times <laughs> over and it's still, you know, in one ear, out, out the other. I know that mentality all too well. Oh, um, yeah. Number nine, what job would you definitely not like to attempt? The person that has to clean the horse poop from the stalls. I don't want to do that. 
That's fair enough. <laughs> I don't think we need any explanation. Like, why would you not want to do that? Um, final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I'm so proud of you. And to tell me that there's someone waiting on me and to get to see my dad there. Very nice. Well, Danielle, that's about it. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Truly, I've always loved watching your podcast. Best of luck over in uh, in Vietnam. Not long to go now. You've got a couple of months. Can't believe it's. Come on, I, I remember seeing your crowning, and it that that feels like just yesterday, and now it's already come around to that time of the year again. I can't believe how quickly it's gone. Um, but best of luck with everything. If people want to follow your journey, it's at Miss Earth USA and at the Danielle Mullins. Um, I'll keep you on the line, Danielle, for just a sec whilst I hang up with the audience. But thanks, everyone, for watching, and we will speak to you next time. Bye Thank for now. you. Hey, thanks so much for watching. Sorority Access is now open. So if you'd like to join an amazing group of women and learn how to be the most powerful, confident, and impactful queen possible, head to thepageantsorority.com. I'll see you there and see you in the next video.